Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Hey, y'all. So we are talking about (laughs) the 2001 film, Two Can Play That Game. Written and directed by Mark Brown, who had did a couple other movies. I know he uh, wrote and directed Barbershop and some other straight to DVD and BET features like the seat filler and, you know, stuff like that. He was also the guy who said, I was working late. But anywho, (laughs) (laughs) this movie stars Vivica Fox, Morris Chestnut, who apparently we just love on the show because we've done so many of his movies already. Gabrielle Union, (laughs) Tamela Jones, uh, Monique, Wendy Raquel Robinson, Bobby Brown, Alex Thomas, and the person who like made the movie for me and gave me all of the comic relief, uh, Anthony Anderson. I'm surprised it took him until Blackish to get like a real leading feature because he Mm -hmm. really carried this movie for me. Mm -hmm. Just me? I agree. No, I agree. Um, Actually, one of my favorite... Pretty much both of my quotables came from Tony. <laughs> um, the CIA, CIA ain't got nothing on a woman with a plan. And if that ain't true, because when I tell you I've had friends that be like, what's his Facebook name? I'll find him on Facebook. Like, how'd you find all? And they, be, they have all the information. He had a girlfriend last year. Things didn't work out. Like, they can give you a whole story. Um, but I'm telling you. I, I'm one of those people. Um, my mother... Ooh. It's like, Courtney, <laughs> get on it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, give me his last name. And if you have the month of his birthday, uh, I'll get back to you and in 30 minutes and let you know all of what I know. He went to jail. Oh. He was arrested. He like, <laughs> I'll run it down. <laughs> oh my gosh. So see, the CIA, he ain't, got the CIA ain't got shit on the woman okay. with the plan. Remember That's that. Right. <laughs> Remember that. Remember that. And then my other favorite quotable um, is when they had the transfer of emotions because that was a real moment. I mean, how many of us have had moments where you just like went in and fucked with somebody because you was mad and now you feel better and that person's mad? That's real. Can she said that shit does work. <laughs> it, does, it does work. She was mad as hell. Like, damn it, that shit do be working sometimes. <laughs> you said once those emotion... Floodgates open. open. You're home free. Home free. They get confused. Bewildered. Lethargic. Lethargic. Amen. (laughs) Why did they have to add lethargic? (laughs) He said it. He enunciated every syllable in that word. (laughs) Listen. I was weak. I was so weak. But I was also like, how y'all going to do my girl like that with this transfer emotions? But whatever, we'll get to that later. What are some (laughs) of your quotables? (laughs) Okay, so I'm not going to lie. When you said, okay, so let's do two could play that game. I was like, hmm, okay. You wasn't feeling it? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know why, but then I watched it and I remembered, like, I really liked this movie when it came (laughs) out. I was... I don't know. How old was I, Rosie? You know, you always are the age person. I know. We were either like 11, 12. 11, 12. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I liked the movie. And I, I really realized, like, I said certain stuff from this movie, like, that I still say today. So when Anthony Anderson is um, talking to, or Tony is talking to Keith, and he's like, has he even... Has she even thought to say, just call in to see if you're alive? Like, I really call people or text people and be like, hey, just making sure you're still alive. Yes. Yes. And it's from this movie. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I didn't, when I thought about that, I didn't think about you. And I'm like, oh, shit. You do do that, huh? Yes. <laughs> it's Especially from this missing. movie. <laughs> you ain't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just check and make sure you're still alive, bro. Um, but yeah, I definitely say that. Um, <laughs> and when Monique is, they see uh, Keith on a dance floor, dancing with them women all while, and uh-huh. Monique is mad. And she's like, girl, do you want me to go yank him? <laughs> and she's like, I done fought fools way bigger than him before. <laughs> I ain't scared. I've said that too. <laughs> I've said it too and meant it. <laughs> and meant it. See, that's the bad part. You meant it. But it, it it was a long, 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 long time ago. But the most annoying quote, uh, the one that I hate, and that's why it's on the list because I, I absolutely say, hate it. Okay. Yes, it's just terrible. <laughs> it's with Gabrielle Union where uh, she first sees Shante and she oh. leaves for it and says, let me go holler at that Negro. Oh, All oh, that shit irks me. Oh, it, oh. it sends chills. That was fine of agony. Let me like, go holler is, at that Negro. This Ugh. is how black professional people used to talk back in the early 2000s. I hope not. Yeah, they do. Because this movie was very 2000s. Like from the clothes, the, the, the hair. The hair, <laughs> the makeup. Yes, everything. the corny LA slang that they were using. But baby, they had, they had more chestnut and some leather pants. Baby. Mm. Mm-hmm. You want to say that's 2000. <laughs> so, um, I have a question that I wanted to ask. This is a very serious, um, culturally relevant question. Did this movie coin, like, and really give the basis for the term church hug? Because, like, we all know what a, a Christian church hug is. But were we saying like that they we gave somebody a Christian church hug before this film? I know I wasn't. I know I wasn't either. So this is where I got it from as far as like knowing what a church hug was. Mm-hmm. And like I cracked up before, like as a kid, I was like, I didn't pay attention too much to the joke or like it didn't sit with me until like becoming a woman and realizing you just can't hug up on anybody. <laughs> You just can't. So you really do have to put your butt out. <laughs> or your a little pitter patter. But a little pitter patter, because you know, the minute a man feels a little sham sham, he done look, what's that song? I feel a poke coming through on you. Now, I didn't girl, know what that song was about as a child neither. <laughs> that's what they was talking about. It was talking about men getting horny on the dance floor and not controlling their impulses whenever they feel a woman's body. So that's why I give church hugs and that's where I got it from. <laughs> not, everybody, not everybody gets the feel on the lusciousness of this body. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the thing in the 90s and I guess the 2000s too about like main characters talking into the camera? Like there was a lot of... <laughs> 
like shows and movies where they break that fourth wall and the main character gets to look and talk to the audience. Like it, yeah. it made us feel like we were, like we're a part of it. Yeah. Like, and then, or it's like this, like walking and talking Ted talk or documentary that you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> and more interesting involved documentary. Um, no, but, Love and hip hop is what it is. They talk oh, into a confessional right there. <laughs> right. I, I think it's, I, I do think it's like a, a definitely um, an art style, a, a filming style or technique, especially to kind of go away from the typical just acting. It's like, well, why, why not get our audience involved and talk to the audience or explain what's happening to the viewer? So I, th- I think it might be like one of those like techniques or theories um, that they teach. And I definitely think that it was smart to use it in this film, too, because especially because of the the pronounced theme of manipulation. And so even as the audience, we're being manipulated as Mm -hmm. well, because Shantae is talking directly like she turns, she talks directly to us. She makes us feel special. That helps get you on her side for Mm -hmm. certain things and see certain Mm -hmm. points of view and different things like that. So I felt like it was very smart for them to use it here because it's also that tool of manipulation where that's pretty much what the film is about is everybody manipulating each other. <laughs> yeah. And then it made me think like, okay, the, the start of the problem seems so small, mm. but then was it, was it though? Because he lied. Mm. He was somewhere where he, with another woman and how she handled it. Honestly, I feel like I probably would have been on some petty shit like that too. Mm. Honestly. So for the people who haven't seen the movie, though, like a quick synopsis, basically, Shantae Smith is a successful marketing executive who is in a relationship with an accomplished lawyer named Keith. Um, Shantae is out with her girls one night and she sees Keith out dinner and dancing, I guess, with another woman that he says is from work. Uh, And then she starts a 10 day program of punishment (laughs) and basically training Keith like a puppy. (laughs) how She wants him to act. But Mm -hmm. Keith's friend Tony is coaching Keith from the sidelines to be uh, just as equally destructive. And then they make up in the end. Mm. Yeah, because (laughs) I just think that it shouldn't have gotten to the extreme of where it was. Mm hmm especially when involving the other people to get back at one another, especially when they were mm-hmm. going to the dinner or, I mean, the uh, the party. And so, I don't know, like, I don't know how I would, like, tell my friends how to deal with that situation. I wouldn't give them a 10-day program, honestly. Do you feel like there are certain rules, tricks, tips, strategies to keep your man, as Vivica Fox said in the movie? <laughs> I do think there are ways. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Because then it honestly, I think the only the the tips and tricks is like obviously communication, which was not displayed in this movie. That's but is definitely that like a one tip way. or trick, or is that like basic human interaction that you should for some engage people, with? For some people, it's a tip. <laughs> they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to communicate. All of this communication. The thing is that people people think they know how to communicate, but we mm. don't, right? We they know think, how to oh, talk. Right. We know how to talk. We don't know how to communicate. And there's different communication styles. And when you realize with this particular movie, this was very passive-aggressive communication styles. Mm. So mm-hmm. because of that, 
you had like, and they were both passive aggressive with each other, then that's where the problem started to arise. Had they just been assertive with where they were and how they felt about things, it, this wouldn't have been the movie, but here we are. I, I think for me, if, if I were to say, I think communication and giving good head is how you keep your man. Julie noted. You should write a book. Book be one page. <laughs> <laughs> be our Ty's bestseller. <laughs> communication. Suck dick. That's it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> New York bestseller. Save the American crisis of divorce right there. <laughs> I think it should be give head. So then it's not just suck dick. Because Mm. as Ari said, no one wants a deceiving, mistreating, no giving head ass partner. That's right. And again, as much as I enjoyed the movie and I enjoyed rewatching the movie, Mm -hmm. I also feel like, wow, this movie is really problematic. How so? We should not be. I feel like, I definitely feel like um, it was trying to tell the story from a woman's point of view but it still was written by a man and there was still some like misogynistic tropes that were carried out throughout the movie. I Mm. definitely feel like it's problematic for like Shantae was very manipulative. Like, like we said before, even the audience was being manipulated to view her positively. She talks Mm. directly uh, to us and telling us things that, um, that might not be revealed to others, but it still had stereotypical roles for women within relationships. Shantae was the manipulator. Wendy, I always say her second name wrong. Raquel Robinson, who played Karen, she was the one who was trying to basically buy her partner and Bobby Brown by dusting him off, cleaning them Mm -hmm. up, and then Mm -hmm. marry me, marry. She was a choose me type girl. Monique was loud and aggressive. And then, uh, Tamela Jones, who played Tracy, she and her man were always arguing. She was with a cheater, but she always took him back. Like, to me, they mm-hmm. were just very stereotypical. And they didn't... The men often were... Especially Keith viewed himself as, I'm the catch. I'm the prize. Like, every man in, in the film, I'm the prize. <laughs> and the women, like, no, y'all are lucky that I chose you. And so... I just, I didn't like that part of it. And then the the game playing that went on, I just felt like isn't a good representation that we need to see of Black love. Yes, it all worked out in the end, but I would hate for couples to have to go through that process to get to the happy ending right. when they could just, like you said, communicate properly, give each other good head and have healthy, happy relationships mm-hmm. without all of the game playing in between. I don't like that it worked out in the end because they, as much as they was manipulating each other, maybe y'all need to be together. So right. there was that, but it's a movie. So it had to have a conclusion. Yeah. I, now that you yeah. say that, I, I agree. <laughs> I know. I, like a happy ending. And mm-hmm. now that you say that about the, the, the female group or the, the women leads or characters, it, it did kind of strike a chord with me when it was, um, when it was um, Deidre talking to her uh, boyfriend and it's just like, or even just like them, like, why are you still here? Like, why are you still dealing with this? And why is this even a thing? But then also real, like kind of feeling similar to Shantae and feeling like, okay, I'm that friend that, you know, my friends come to and talk to about their man and how they man ain't doing this, that, and the third. And so 
it was it, it's just an interesting thing. I just never really saw myself in all of them. Did you feel like you could relate to any one of the women in particular? I did not. I definitely saw myself like spread out amongst them. The Deirdre, the the talk of shit, the mm-hmm. <laughs> the being goofy and all of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um like I can't do nothing. I can't make a man act right, but you want me to beat him up for you? Like <laughs> Right. That's right. what I have to offer. With the Karen, the like, if that happened to me, I would just cry because I am a crybaby. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna be mad and I'm gonna wanna tear some stuff up, but it's gonna be after I, I cry first. <laughs> or I'm so. crying as I'm tearing shit up. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. I just did that. <laughs> as well as nobody wants to like you, anyone you're in a relationship with, be it a friendship, be it an intimate partner in a relationship, you interact with them, you learn from them, or you are in people's lives to in some way make them better. So if you're mm-hmm. not making them better, then you really don't need to be around that person because you're making them worse. Um, so no one wants to build um, a person up, pour into somebody, and then then be left high and dry, which is something Mm -hmm. that does happen. That does happen often in relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it goes both ways. And so I definitely uh, understood Karen in that. I remember one episode of Love and Hip Hop when Chrissy was like, you don't want to spend all this time teaching your man how to chew with his mouth closed. And then you see him at the next table with the next bitch chewing at her table. (laughs) Like, I didn't do all of this work for you to go somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. I understood that part of her. And then... um, Tamla's character was just funny to me. Like, she was hilarious. Like, the way that they argued, no mm-hmm. one should be tearing up each other's house and they definitely shouldn't be hitting each other. Yeah. But when, yeah. <laughs> when she was like, <laughs> he was just like, to get out, go, leave. She was like, you don't tell me what to do. Let me, sh- okay. hold on, Shantae, I got something I got to take care of first. Like, that right. to me was funny because I probably <laughs> could see myself doing that. Just, I just but in an argument. But yeah, I, I guess I, I would be spread out amongst them into one mutant of them all. <laughs> one mutant of them all. <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like I, I kind of have a little bit of each. Um, as far as like, you know, getting to the point of like spazzing and fucking shit up. I definitely feel like I, I have a little Tracy in me where I'd be like, I'm leaving! <laughs> and slamming doors Have you shit. ever fucked shit up on your way out? I canceled Christmas one year. Oh. I canceled Christmas. I threw down the Christmas tree. Oh. oh, oh. (laughs) The Christmas is canceled. (laughs) It was like a little three-foot tree. Let's let's get it. You admit that as like a euphemism, like Tommy on power, but you really canceled Christmas. (laughs) I really canceled Christmas. I'm dying. (laughs) So angry. I've been in an argument and like, Sue, I'm a I'm a shoe thrower. Mm. Like say some wild shit. I'm gonna pick up this Timberland boot and I'm mm, beaming it. Mm. like a pitcher for the Astros. But other <laughs> than that, I've never I've never fucked. I've always wanted to, but I, no one's ever like pushed me relationship wise. No one's ever pushed me to that place where do I don't think I give a fuck enough. I need to start giving a fuck more. No, just do so it. that I could get mad enough to tear fuck some shit up. <laughs> just go fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, you don't ever get random thoughts to fuck shit up. 
like maybe that's just me. <laughs> I get rid of thoughts to fuck shit up, and I fucked shit up before, but not like my partner's shit. I've never fucked my partner's shit up. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know where we were. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, going through was there the character. Yes, was there a character that you felt like you related to? I said that I'm a mutant version of all of the ladies. Was there anyone that you one in particular identified with? No, I think I'm I'm like a a same. You know, like there's not one that I can like strictly say like that's me to the T. I think with Karen, like I'm, I definitely feel like with Karen. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to give him and I'm, I'm a giver. I'm a, mm-hmm. you know, I want, I want my man to look good and feel good. And We're nurturers so, by nature. Nurture, yeah. And so that, that's just naturally who I am. So I, I empathize with Karen with that, but I've never, I've never had someone be upgraded so much that they left me high and dry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't got those up type of upgrading skills, but I'm not in that tax bracket yet. I can't, I ain't fixed my own teeth yet. I can't fix nobody else's teeth. That part, that part, I can't. I'm sorry, I'm not there yet. So when I'm there, maybe hit me up. And so I felt like Karen, she was, um, she showed some tendencies of being a codependent enabler. Yes. And so she definitely um, needed to be needed. And so she was going to create that dynamic where she needed to, excuse any problematic behaviors that he was having, be the person that needed to be there, be supportive while continuing to perpetuate the negative system that they were in. Um, Some people who are codependent that can come from having maybe like possibly a non-nurturing caregiver and things like that. There is uh, strategies, really awareness is the biggest piece in fighting Mm -hmm. codependency is becoming aware of what parts you play in that system and stopping those um, Cyclical behaviors. Yes, mm-hmm. I got that word out on the first try. Woo. Hey, I saw you working through it. I was like, what's she working on? <laughs> the speech impediment. It inhibits so much. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> and so I did not give her a full-blown diagnosis, but I did. Um, that is something that I would wouldn't want to work with her if I was her clinician is her levels of codependency. Oh, oh thought. This so, light bulb. I just saw it go off. So remember that diagnosis you gave Blue from The Temptations? What did you give Blue? Yes, I gave him dependent personality disorder. I feel like that might be her too. Now that you say that, I can can see that. From Shantae, with her and Shantae? Yes. You saw how she was in the front of the restaurant? Like, oh my God, let me tell them. Let me get, (laughs) let me tell you, this is how I got my man back. Like, girl... And it's proven. Her, her, she, my girl, know what she's doing. Like, girl, shut up, get off her dick, get off her dick. Like, <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> the shit is gross. <laughs> Did you find it? I didn't even start looking. Yes, for I am it. pulling it up right now. Dependent personality disorder is a pervasive and excessive need to be taken care of that leads to submissive and clinging behavior and fears of separation, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. Yep. She did have that, like, soon as he left, she, ah, Michael yeah. used the diabetes flower. <laughs> yes. And, like, how was how it that you got to be on your friend couch crying like this? Mm. And I took a shower. Uh, but she, <laughs> part of the criteria is having difficulty making everyday decisions without an excessive amount of advice and reassurance from others. And so, Shantae. Mm-hmm. 
needs others to assume responsibility for most major areas of his, of his or her life. And that's why I was- Dante! Yes! She was still a successful, like, uh, professionally, she still had a successful work life before this relationship. Like, she still- Yeah. So, but- you don't have to meet all criteria. You just have to meet at least uh, five for this diagnosis. So that might not be one of the ones. Um, having difficulty expressing disagreement with others because of fear of loss of support or approval. Mm-hmm. Um, difficulty initiating projects or doing things on his or her own because of lack of self-confidence and judgment or abilities rather than lack of motivation of energy. Goes to excessive lengths to obtain nurturance and support from others to to the point of volunteering to do things that are unpleasant, fixing that him, his whole grill and everything, mm-hmm. cutting off his jerry curl. That means that messing with him when he had the jerry curl. Could you imagine sexy time and you up under a man and his hair drip on you? <laughs> or you play, you're putting your fingers through that soul glow? Oh, no, not the soul glow. <laughs> soul glow. <laughs> Rub your fingers through that hair, girl. <laughs> it would be so bad if he ever like shook his hair and some like got in my eye. I oh, I'm cussing you out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, okay. So some more where feels uncomfortable or helpless when alone because of exaggerated fears of being unable to care for themselves. Yes. Um, unrealistically preoccupied with fears of being left to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Say yes. Um, so yes, I think you are right. So we are adding a diagnosis. Boom, look at that. <laughs> Dependent personality disorder. There we go. What did you think about Bobby? I mean, well, Michael. Michael. And, but Bobby Brown, who actually had a song called Who Could Play That Game. Yes, he did. He did. Um, so what do I think about him? I think he's a fuckboy. I think that <laughs> this is like where fuckboyism was birthed. I mean, and then of he's all a pioneer. the people, he's a pioneer. <laughs> Honestly, though, I feel like it, it, the role was very well suited, and Bobby, Bobby played that role very well. Bobby is a fuckboy. Bobby is I mean, not was, a fuckboy. <clears throat> was Bobby? No, 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 no. Bobby gets a bad rap, and I'd be damned. We're not just gonna continue as a culture to drag Bobby's name through the mud. Now, I don't watched all of the the Lifetime movies and the documentary. <laughs> and I watched that that terrible ass series with him talking about how he was gonna dig the boob out her butt, and it well, it wasn't him. He was not the problem. He was a little bit of the problem. He's a little bit of the problem, but it wasn't him. He's still a fuckboy, in my opinion. <laughs> It's my prerogative. Anywho. <laughs> I hate you. No, um, no, I think, but Bobby Brown um, definitely played the role very well. Um, and I think that he probably took on that role. Let me not speak for him because, I mean, we could call him and have an interview. We'll set up something next week. Um, you, know, you do that. <laughs> call his people. I'll call his people. We'll have my people call his people. Um to really get his opinion on why he took this role. But I do feel like at that time... <laughs> Bobby Brown's a good actor. He is. But I also feel like he took the role to to signify or like to play up on what people thought of him. Yes. Okay, I can see that. You get what I'm saying? Like to mm-hmm. really show like, oh, well, people think I'm a fuckboy. Well, then I'm going to play this fuckboy character. <laughs> and I'm going to do damn good at it. And he did. It's basically... <laughs> 
what I'm saying. Fuck boy, fuck boy. What you gonna do? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I just think that like, yeah, he, he, he's like, he just did what any man would do. He wanted the draws. He got the draws. And he's like, oh, I get more with this. Oh, cool. So I also, I don't, I didn't diagnose Tracy and Dwayne individually. I don't know if this is possible. I'm making this up in my mind. This is not, this is not clinically approved. This is not something that clinicians do. However, I feel like their relationship had a borderline personality disorder. (laughs) Girl, it did. It really did. And honestly, they did. I would, I would say it was like an intimate relationship conflict. Like they mm-hmm. just really did not know how to work well with each other. You ever, you ever see people where there's like, how are you guys together? Like, why are you together? And then I, because I'm dirty in my mind, sometimes I'm like, the sex must <laughs> the sex be must be amazing. <laughs> must be the sex. I go there because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, where it, where does it line up for you to continue to take this dumb shit? Ah, uh, it's the dick. I get it. I get it. We've all been there. She was telling me, she was talking about, I have a body. And she was like, and the the lady was just wild and a mess and um, just extra. And she was like, and that bitch ugly. But you know what? <laughs> Her and him been together for a long ass time. And she said, she must be a monster in them sheets. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's true. And people really do stay in really fucked up situations just because of that. Yeah, that's true. I did feel like, while it's not a full, it's not a clinical diagnosis, I did uh, think that Dwayne suffered from mythomania, which is basically being a pathological liar because she brought the draws out. It said, they damn sure ain't mine. So who's... Are they doing good and damn well? She put them draws up under there. Exactly. One of Shantae's dumbass games. Would you do that? That ain't no good. Hell no, I ain't putting no draws up under there. Cause if he lie, like you protect your you you lie to protect yourself. And protecting yourself is an is an instinctual result. So mm. you might lie just to lie without fucking somebody else. If I feel like you fucking somebody else to the point where I feel like I need to put draws up under the couch. Right. Why are we together? Right. Why am I still fucking you? Because the dick good. <laughs> <laughs> but if, yeah. if, I, if I come to that conclusion and the dick is the D2B, the dick two bomb, and I can't leave, then I'm not about to bother you about fucking other bitches. I'm about to buy you some condoms so that I can get my good dick. They can get their good dick because we all just out here getting good dick. I'm not going to interrupt my good dick. I'll make sure I get safe good dick and then I'm going to be looking for an actual real relationship somewhere else but while continuing to fuck you because you fucking everybody else. That's some shit. You know what that? That's serial monogamy and that is a sure fine way. (laughs) Here comes Dr. Brittany. Thank you, Dr. Rosie. I know. I need to lay on your couch. Right. (laughs) A sure fine way to get STIs. <laughs> <laughs> Message. Use protection. <laughs> but then I but feel not, like... Don't put the drawers under the couch, though. If you're going to get mad... That's the game. If you're going to get mad, why put the drawers up under there? It's a matter of the... It's the game. It's the game. Because then, like you said, the outcome is dependent upon how that person reacts. Are you going to tell me that these your sister's draws and she did laundry over here? As a matter of fact, she was just looking for those. Or 
But what if he's or, honest? And what if he's like, you crazy bitch, you put him under there. Then how do you look? You'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Give me my job. Right, babe. I be, I be tripping. I just want to see what you're going to say. And then you walk I away. <laughs> <laughs> so... The writer of this movie has a good point. It's not some things are just a little yes. over exaggerated. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel like it was, it was, he had all great ideas. He just exaggerated them to communicate his points. <laughs> so everyone was an exaggerated stereotype of themselves. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> I also, um, I talked about Deirdre because, like she said, she has a. Uh, Fought fools way bigger than him, and she won't scare. Mm. <laughs> but I also felt like, well, that's not normal, Deirdre. You shouldn't be having to be out here fighting these grown men like this. And so I did diagnose her with um, unspecified trauma and stressor-related disorder. <laughs> Listen, because we don't know. She, yeah, she was keyed up. She was hypervigilant. Uh, she saw the stimuli of uh, Keith out on the dance floor with other women and she immediately went into fight or flight. Like, well, bitch, what, you, what we gonna do? Well, I mean, because she probably was molly whopping the man that she had at home. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She said he was a little thug. But that he, he could lay the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> the dick game's stupid. <laughs> But anywho, for uh, the category is applies to presentations in which symptoms characteristic of trauma and stressor-related disorders that cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning predominate, but do not meet the full criteria for any of the disorders in the trauma and stressor-related disorders diagnostic diagnostic class. And so I felt like um, her experience with possibly having to fight men more than once could. Uh, have triggered a traumatic response to her. And so in instances where her hypervigilance did take over and it was fight or flight, uh, that was a trauma response of her having to, <laughs> to yoke up men. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's a serious conversation that doesn't happen often um, is like the seriousness of uh, men experiencing domestic violence as well. You know, and it's always this kind of assumption that, oh, um, if he's a man, why can't he defend himself? But in some cases, it's like, well, he's a man. He's being, a, and he doesn't want to have, why should he have to hit a woman for her to calm down? You know? And so it's like, you know, when you look at the, the society's norms and like um, standards, you know, the double standards that we have for how men should react in, in violent situations versus women, you know, it does, it makes it unfortunate where a man can't even report his own domestic violence because of shame of being emasculated. Right. And domestic violence is really a serious topic on for everyone in heterosexual relationships and same sex relationships. Mm -hmm. um, it mm -hmm. is. And I definitely feel like it is a big problem, especially in the black community. It is one of the leader leading uh, causes of death, especially for black women between the ages, I think of 18 and 34. And so I, I do think that while we are laughing and joking about it, but having to fight a man, your man, is never okay. And I think that it, it unfortunately was normalized, especially like back in the day of that's just what it was. There's some couples that just fight each other. 
and mm-hmm. it's Thursday. They got into a fight. They be back cool by Saturday. Like, and that's it's not okay. And I want us to find better ways to love each other, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. because with the with the wave of Black love and the re and rededication to learning how to communicate in a healthy way with your partner, how to grow, how to how to elevate yourself in your relationship. I do hope that that is something that is being addressed and is being left behind because domestic violence is not okay. People are out here dying as a result of it. And love does should not hurt. I agree. You know, and unfortunately, we have people getting canceled, you know, with stuff like this. And I mean, it's, it is sending a good message. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this is sending a message that, you know, men can no longer get away with these things. Um, but I also realize that women have the tendency to do those things as well. So, right. you know, the narrative can't just be just at, at men. We also have to recognize that, that women have the capability of doing it too. Yes. Yeah. Again, in heterosexual relationships, and same-sex relationships. Absolutely. I don't feel like that is exactly enough either. No, yeah, absolutely. That is definitely a, um, a population that tends to get overlooked, especially because it is same-sex. So it's like, oh, well, this was an equal fight. And it's like, no, this is still domestic violence. As long as it's, it's not okay. Equal. I don't want to fight you. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was domestic. It was at home. <laughs> so, domestic violence. Inter- intimate partner violence at any level. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not cool. Not cool. All right. So who else? Oh, that's Connie's whole ass. <laughs> I felt I it in my spirit when she said, No, this trick ass bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when she punched her that first time, I was like, she really did it. <laughs> my dumb self. And then I was like, oh, it's just a dream. Dang it. Because she talked to, directly to the camera and then rewound it. <laughs> I know, right? It's talking about the, uh, the filming um, strategy they use in this movie. So I thought that I, I, I was happy she got punched, but I was mad it wasn't real. No, I was happy it wasn't real. Because that was a party full of white people. You can't beat a few black women in the party fighting each other yeah, over a right. man. Yeah, you're right, you're right. I just, I don't know. and Especially out in front of everybody. You take that shit to the bathroom, like self-respecting Black women. <laughs> like a self-respecting Black woman. That's right. Take that shit in the bathroom. You make sure everybody else is out. You lock that door and then you leave the one in there so she get herself together and join back the party when she's ready. Damn. What a black I'm not guy. saying this like it's happened before. I feel like it has. I, it, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I did get it. One, two, three, four. Fears. Fears. <laughs> I didn't like I did Connie. give. Oh, you got you gave Connie a di- uh, diagnosis. I did, but I don't. I want to know why you don't like her first. <laughs> and I'm interested. I didn't like her because, like, you know that this is her man. Mm-hmm. Why? Like she was pressing so hard on the situation, you know. So it's like, yeah, you do deserve to get your ass whooped. Again, not condoning violence because you don't use violence to get your point across. But still, you know, I just. But Connie did have good points when she was like, "If he is your man, he ain't out here acting like it. And if you have a problem with him, you take that up with him, not me." And that's where Connie did have a very good point. And that is the same line that I would use if I was up, caught up in her situation. 
<laughs> and just saying. <laughs> yeah, it was wrong, but, but I got these good points. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I ain't your problem. That's your man. Is That's your problem. But yeah, she does have a good point. I think a lot of women get really upset at other women when really we should be getting mad at these men's that ain't treating us right. And Shantae was um, mad at her man, but because she refused to communicate like a mature adult um, and decided to then be passive aggressive and use this Mm -hmm. 10-day program, uh, she wasn't able to take that anger out on Keith the way that she really wanted to or or communicate her feelings to him in the way that she wanted to. So she took it out on Kanye. So Mm -hmm. like you said, the keys to life, communication, and good head. Yep. I feel like the whole movie could have been solved in in one night. Right? It could have been an episode. Mm-hmm. It really could have. But, you know, the writer just had to get... This shit could have been an Instagram story. <laughs> a reels. <laughs> <laughs> yes! A Facebook story. <laughs> we trifling. Uh, we are, but it's okay. Um, I did diagnose Connie with histrionic personality disorder, mm. which is a pervasive pattern of excessive emotionality and intention seeking beginning in an early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. For her, I saw the interaction with others often characterized by inappropriate sexually seductive or provocative behavior. Mm-hmm. And exampled by the dancing on the uh, dance floor. And he was like, she got her titties all on my back. Even though Anthony <laughs> Anderson was like, do you know how much I would pay if I heard about her titties on my back? Like, come on, bruh. <laughs> here's, here's $50. Put your titties on my back real quick. <laughs> real quick. Right real quick. Make it last. $50. No, real quick. Right What's well, up? Okay. <laughs> um, consistently uses physical appearance to draw attention to self. Mm. And I don't know why, but in my mind, it went to that scene where she like runs her fingers through that horrible quick weave ponytail. Ugh, that yeah. that's when I thought I was like, this is where they used to call us call it a horse tail, and I used to hate it. Has a style of speech that is excessively impressionistic and lacking in detail. Shows self dramatization, theatricality, and exaggerated expression of emotion. And considers relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she did. You felt um, that, huh? I did. Yeah. Because I feel like she, like she didn't realize that she was being, she's a, she was a pawn in this. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, the only reason why he's even showing you this type of interest is because he's trying to get her to be jealous. So for her to take it to that extreme of like, this is my man now and we're in a relationship. It was like, calm down. Mm-hmm. You're, just being, you're just being used. Relax. So mm. that's. Do I'm you feel at. like she cared? No. Do you feel like? Because I feel like some people are like, just keep on using me till you use me up. Like if that's what mm-hmm. I'm here for for this, then I'm enjoy it while it's this. I feel like some people are naive and don't realize that they are being used and think that oh, this person does actually express interest in me. And I don't. I'm not sure if I if I know where Connie fell on that spectrum. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure because it, it's like if because it they were exaggerated stereotypes of themselves. They did not develop Connie's character enough to do anything but be a trick ass bitch. Yeah, because then it, it was just kind of like 
well, would she do this with any of the other guys? Because then her reaction or interaction with the boss or Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I feel like for her personality type, like the job that she had seemed like it would, it would fit like you have, and as a woman in that industry, I wonder if the over-exaggerated sexual, you know, advances or whatever mm-hmm. is to a- appeal to your client. Mm-hmm. So with her trying to get a deal, like, is she having to do these extra things? And then does that spill over in her personal life? Or is that her personal life spilling over into her professional life as well? But, but we Shantae said that we we don't know. We're not making any <clears throat> accusations, but that after shortly after her Connie started working at her job, her boss got a divorce. Yeah, 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 yeah. We needed character development there. Yeah, I needed more from Connie. I needed to know: is, how is you a hoe, or is you just misunderstood and perceived as a hoe? Right. Or is like, is this really Shantae's? Or how do you just like being a hoe? Because sometimes it's okay to just be a hoe. (laughs) 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 But you got to own your hoe when you a hoe. You can't just be out here (laughs) hoeing and and, I'm not a hoe. If you a hoe, you got to be. You stand up in your hoe. (laughs) I'm a hoe. (laughs) I'm a hoe and I'm proud. <laughs> Call me Dr. Ho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Ho. Did you uh have anything for Keith? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I didn't. I'm sorry, I had Is something. Is that your whole voice? That's your Dr. Ho voice? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> And my doctor whole voice tells you to wrap it up. This <laughs> is. <laughs> yes, if you're gonna be a hoe, you be a clean hoe. You be a safe, right. well protected, clean hoe. Because these hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> <laughs> if these hoes be acting up and these niggas be letting them. Okay. <laughs> Girl, what you got for keys? <laughs> I'm not dealing with you today, y'all. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I diagnosed Keith with a other specified depressive disorder, short duration depressive episode. Oh, because he really for that. Was. He really was going through. Okay. He really, because Shantae was out here playing games. And so that's why I was kind of like, well, thank you, Tony, because you put your man out of, you were being a good friend. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, depressed affect uh, and at least four of the eight symptoms of major depressive episode associated with clinically significant distress or impairment that persists for more than four days but less than 14 days an individual with whose presentation has never met the criteria for any other depressive or bipolar disorder um, does not currently meet an active or residual criteria for any other psychotic disorder and does not meet the criteria for recurrent brief depression So basically, because that lists a lot of other things, basically just saying a depressive episode for a short, quick time, um, at least four days, but not exceeding 14 days, which I felt was right about where he was with this whole 10-step program fiasco. Right. This manipulative bullshit. Don't ever, listeners, don't do not do this shit. Don't, please don't do this with your your partner. This was dumb. And then- This was a waste of fucking 10 days. You could have got your apology. Could have went out. Could have <laughs> had dinner and then made made love for makeup sex and shit. Mm. But he, oh. 
Because mm, makeup's... But no, you missed out on that because you wanted to play games. And now you yeah. just went 10 days without it for, for what? And you almost lost your man to the local hoe. <sighs> Time that y'all could... You could have went to the Lauryn Hill concert because he had tickets. Girl. So you miss Lauryn Hill. I mean, granted, after that, Lauryn Hill ain't come back out for another 10, 12 years. So you missed one of the last sightings of Lauryn Hill when she actually came on stage on time. I know. And you miss moments with Keith with more chestnut fine, just beautiful self. And you made him put on them ugly leather pants. I couldn't believe it. I said, though. When he walked into, I said, "Those are mm, those are leather. Pants. Those are leather. Those are." Mm. And then he sat down, and I thought they were tight at first, but then they I weren't. Saw, they were baggy leather. That leather won't make you lethargic. Confused, bewildered, bewildered. Honey, I cannot. <laughs> they are a whole mess. They had too much fun recording that scene. I feel like half of the things that Anthony Anderson, that Tony rather, said were off script. Yeah, like this. I have, how are you going to tell me I don't know women when I have a cat, nonsense, <laughs> and a gay uncle? <laughs> gay uncle. I'm like, oh, well, you, I mean, shit, he might make a point. <laughs> but the cat, though, what the cat got to do with it? <laughs> I just loved him in this movie. I'm 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 happy that now he is getting the the leading opportunities that he deserves because he showed in this film that he could really carry a film. And I just hate that it took since 2001 for mm-hmm. him to have that opportunity. But I'm glad that he has it now. Sometimes Hollywood, a lot of times Hollywood is just late to catch on. They real late, honey. But you know, now that Black Lives Matter and all. Anywho. <laughs> Hopefully, so, we'll see. We right. know that matter. Let's see how long that folks mm. want to. Anywho, I'm uh, you gonna have me go? I'm not. I'm not going there. Today. We're not going there. We're not. We're not going up. there today. Okay. So, did you have anything for Tony? I did. I gave him generalized anxiety disorder, and that was me just like looking at how overly involved and like worked up about this whole situation he really was. And I think it's also because he was passionate to be able to find this one person who knows how to play the game just as well as he does. So he, he was in She is not an amateur. Right. <laughs> he is not an amateur. But so when I look at like the diagnostic criteria for anxiety disorder, I realize like maybe he may, he may not, you know, uh, fit it. So um, excessive anxiety, anxiety and worry occurring more days than not for the last, for at least six months. So it doesn't seem as if they've been even dating that long or maybe they have. <laughs> no, she um, said that he he has been her man. He's been her man for a long little while. It's just that we only get to see these 11 days because. Mm, okay. That's so all we I get. Wonder, I wonder. Okay. So then that makes me think, okay, was that excessive um, anxiety and worry based off of like where he is in his life, but he saw a window of opportunity in his friend's life to interject and project his things. And so then like he took, because I feel like for him to have known this information, for him to have been able to provide so much insight that he himself had these experiences, that this is his lived experience. So when he saw it in his friend, that he intervened. 
Do you feel like it came from him learning the lesson or that it came from him learning vicariously from seeing the game being played by his cat, his nine sisters and his gay uncle? I think both and the cat, gay uncle and sisters and life experience. Okay. And the cat. Yes, I can agree with that. Okay. Yeah, don't forget the cat because apparently the cat offers some fundamental some f- feminine <laughs> education. I guess because it's absorbed. A uh, the individual finds it difficult to control the worry. I don't think he had difficulties controlling it. I think he was just obsessive of it, of the game. I think I think it's more of an, assess- an obsessive component more than an anxious component. Mm-hmm. I think that. He wanted to be a good friend. Mm. And I think he is obsessive when it comes to the game playing. And then he saw his friend going through this. And he knows that this is a place that he excels in because he does have this body of knowledge for the game. And so he didn't want his friend to go through that. So he offered up the the knowledge, the, I guess, the expertise that he has from his obsession with the game. Mm. So I, if I was to do that, then um, obsessive compulsive disorder with um, with a good or fair insight, the individual recognizes that the obsessive compulsive disorder order beliefs in, uh, are definitely and probably not true. Well, no, that's not true. I would say poor, with poor insight. <laughs> <laughs> I say with, yeah, actually scratching uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Scratch that, take that out. Obsessive compulsive disorder definitely fits him because when you when because of the the type the beliefs that he thinks are true, based off of women, and then reoccurrent persistent thoughts and urges or images that are experienced at some point in, in time, intrusive and an unwanted. Most individuals cause markedly anxiety or distress. Um, his his constant thought of women, um, you know, objectifying them. Um, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm reaching. I might be reaching. I'll go with it. I'll give you that. So, so far we have Keith with uh, other specified depressive disorders, short du- duration depressive episode, Tony with obsessive compulsive disorder with poor insight, Karen as dependent personality disorder, Tracy and Dwayne as a hot ass mess relationship, <laughs> Deirdre <laughs> with unspecified trauma and stressor related disorder, and Connie with histrionic personality disorder. Yeah. So our last um, remaining main character would then be Shantae. Did you have something for her? I didn't. I do. Okay, yeah. so she's the main character. We're supposed to love her. As watching the movie, I do. But then as I think about this, as if this was a real person, and if I was to treat this person, I would say that um, I gave her narcissistic personality disorder. Really? I would say uh, borderline. They're close. I would say close, close, close with a sociopath. Yes, because of the type of of mind you have to have mm-hmm. to go through these shenanigans. And for so, could you long, imagine being in a session with this heifer? I would be like, oh, bitch. That's why, <laughs> that's why I said borderline personality disorder because person borderline personality disorder they can fuck with you yes, in a they session can. and they love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. They do. And so it's like... I bounced between the two and then came to like... Narcissistic? Okay, so what was it? What was it that made it, this is it? So for... I diagnosed her not just with narcissistic personality disorder, but also depersonalization and derealization disorder because she kept stopping and talking to the camera. (laughs) There's a camera. 
<laughs> and I said in real life that would be really weird. So <laughs> I, I'm gonna I go ahead it. and diagnose that as well. Wow, it's I weird. do it all the time. Just you know, a little odd. It's a little odd, but everybody has their stuff. Especially when I'm doing like my makeup or I'm cooking. I'm like, hi YouTubers, welcome back to my channel. I do it all the time. It's fun. <laughs> it makes me feel like makes me feel like I have an audience. <laughs> You're lame. You're weird. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm working so hard on staying quiet over here. I thought that Shante was uh, preoccupied <laughs> with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, and or ideal love. I felt that she believed that she was special and unique and could only be understood or should associate with other special or high status people. That she had a sense of entitlement unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with her expectations, you know, given the actual rules, mm-hmm. the interpersonally exploitive uh, takes taking advantage of others to achieve their own ends again with the rules and showing arrogant, haughty or behaviors or attitudes. Mm. So that was my justification for narcissistic personality disorder. And then just, you know, her, <laughs> Always pausing and talk to her her YouTube subscribers, I guess, yeah. as you <laughs> labeled them with the de- <laughs> depersonalization, derealization disorder with the uh, <laughs> presence of persistent or recurrent experiences um, of unreal unreality detachment or being an outside observer with respect to one's thoughts, feelings, sensations, body or actions. With that being the distorted sense of time, unreal or absent self, emotional and physical or physical numbing. And then the disturbance uh, is not attributable to psycho- physiological effects of a substance and not better explained by other med- mental disorders. You know, the hard part about that, though, like with diagnosing her with narcissism is like, can you really treat narcissism? <sighs> so, yes and no. Um, I feel like there are strategies that you can do that you can... Um, try to help individuals gain empathy, um, seeing how their actions affect others, uh, things like that. Can, can, is there like a cure? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I feel like there are certain interventions that can be done. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, seeing where the cognitions influence the behavior and how we can change that behavior, um, doing those different things. I think that that can be done with individuals, but like they're always going to be a little bit of an asshole. Yeah, and I also feel like they would need to be medicated. (laughs) (laughs) I do, because it's like... (laughs) I I have strong feelings about medication, so... I mean, narcissism... I I feel like narcissism is above my pay grade. Listen, (laughs) I'm going to have to get a psychiatrist involved. We're going to need a whole treatment team if I'm working with someone with narcissism. Because, oof. Looking at it, it's like, I mean, you want to like look at the history and current status of it and where it comes from. But the reason that I didn't give the borderline, like you were saying before, is because I feel like we didn't know enough about her internal feelings. Because clearly she's not a good communicator. She's that good with expressing her feelings. Um, so we didn't have a lot to go off of there. And so I wasn't able to speak to the unstable self-image or sense of self, the possible suicidal behaviors, ideations, the um, 
chronic feelings of emptiness and stuff like that. Like I couldn't, I didn't get enough from her character to be able to fully diagnose with borderline, which is why I ended on, landed on the narcissistic personality disorder. So how would you, what would be your treatment plan for her? Whew. Okay. So my thing is that I probably wouldn't see her individually. I don't think that she would come on her own. The only way that I would see her is as a couple. Mm. So if we you know with her and Keith possibly getting back together, I think that that would be the end. And then we can look at how, like we said before, how <clears throat> your actions impact the other person. We could possibly do a little bit of, um, ooh, I think empty chair work would be good. Mm. Because she needs that practice of expressing herself, expressing those feelings, getting that out, the communicating, how... And not just only her actions might make Keith feel how she needs to show empathy, but expressing how his actions made her feel because her inability to do that and only doing that for like two seconds in the bathroom when she was panicking was why she implemented the rules and why she did what she did instead of just expressing her feelings. She felt like I need to train you so that this never happens again. I think for for her in particular, um, EBT would be useful like emotional behavioral therapy Mm -hmm. um and if I were to look at some goals it would be to learn and implement effective communication skills with um significant others and then implement problem solving skills with significant others to address problems that arise because I feel like she struggles with problem solving Yeah. And I feel like she's going to have to be in there for, she's going to need to seek treatment for a little while because she's so used to jumping into implementing the rules or manipulative behavior or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that that she's like this, this pattern that she's created. And so she's going to need practice with like actually stopping processing emotions and then reacting Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, she needs to learn how to respond and not react. Right. Exactly. And so I think, um, like cognitive behavioral techniques. So like the education, so that the educating of communication styles, appropriate communication styles, and then uh, modeling. So, you know, showing how assertive communication looks and then also like role-playing. So um, definitely with assaults uh, chair, you know, using that as a, as a technique as well. So, I mean, I feel like she she does have that area that she can work on. And there's other areas that she we could get to as well as far as like the history and how this all came about in the first place. And I think her being a professional woman and um, giving high value to those type of accolades, she, she strikes me as someone who wouldn't want to fail. Mm-hmm. And so that inner competition might drive her to success. So I will have a positive prognosis for her. Yeah, I think so. Um, Her and Keith, rather, because we would be seeing them as a couple. For Tony, um, I'm really interested, um, and this may be just me personally, uh, um, to understand the history and nature of his obsession with women. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the fact that he's a man. I mean, yeah, given, that's great. Um, But I just wanted to know, like, when did it become such an intensity for him to, to be the master of this game? What caused this? Uh, this drive and motivation to to not necessarily understand the woman, but to understand and win the game. It seems as if his his priority was to win the game mm-hmm. and not necessarily have the relationship. So where where does that 
because that that that's where the the problem is with him not being able to make or not having a relationship of his own is this desire to want to win this game that he's playing by himself. But do you think in his own relationship, because he does have this infatuation with women, do you think in his own relationship that he would value the win over the relationship? Or do you feel like it's just easier to do because now he's not involved with this woman. He's in competition with this woman. And so he has to win. And his his emotions are not at stake mm-hmm. by playing the game through Keith, vicariously mm-hmm. through Keith. Keith needs some confidence building. <laughs> And boundaries. From assertiveness training. <laughs> and boundaries. And boundary training. I mean, seriously, like, wow. <laughs> he really had a, a, like a really Im- a huge impact and input um, on Keith and his interaction with his own girlfriend. And had, had Keith set, you know, boundaries with that, um, I feel like maybe he w- the outcome would have been a lot different too. Maybe it would have been in more favor of uh, Shantae uh, versus you know, him, I guess, winning the game at the end of the day. I don't know. But that's that's it. I, I think he does have a a good prognosis. I don't, like... Yeah, I definitely feel that Tony would have a good prognosis. I don't think that Connie would. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know. I see Connie just at marrying a former NFL player in... And yeah, that's pretty much and becoming a becoming um, a real housewife. <laughs> yeah, a real housewife. That, I mean, she she would definitely make an amazing real housewife. Absolutely, she would. She would. Okay, that see, then you know success, success. I love it. Seeing the okay. positive. This is positive psychology. Mm-hmm. We see the strengths in everyone. Deirdre, I just hope that she finds someone who can love her fully, and that she no longer has to fight men, um, and that mm-hmm. she can feel nurtured herself that's all I want for Deirdre I think a long-term goal for her according to my treatment manual (laughs) would be to (laughs) develop the necessary skills for effective open communication mutually satisfying sexual intimacy and enjoyable time for companionship within the relationship I agree well said Manuel thank you (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see Tracy and Dwayne do uh uh, what's it? Role reversal. I think that would be fun. A fun session. <laughs> Honestly, and then, I mean, for uh, for Tracy, she needs to increase her awareness of her own role in the relationship conflicts. And I think that that would be done through role reversal. Her seeing yeah. herself portrayed by Dwayne, I think that at first she would be pissed off, but after a while, like, she would have to be confronted with the things that she's doing to perpetuate mm-hmm. their cycle. You know, another thought just came to me is like, how seriously are are these relations? How serious are these relationships, right? Because it's like, are you going to make the commitment to change your to change these behaviors, or are you just going to like be like, okay, we're not seeing eye to eye, keep stay the same, and then move on to the next person? Because when when I think about like where the, like the era that we're in right now, it doesn't seem as if people tend to take responsibility within the relationships, and then the same issue may come up in the next relationship, but because that person didn't accept that issue, they're easy. It's like, we're real easy to move on. We don't give things time. You know, we don't. 
And this was also a different time, though. It doesn't seem like 2001 was forever ago, but you also have to think 2001 is before social media. 2001 is before online dating. 2001 is, 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 is there's less accessibility to the out the entire world where someone can be more easily replaceable. And so if you value the relationship, I mean, Tracy was still messing with this dude and she knew he was cheating. That's what I'm saying. Like, so are you, <laughs> like as, as a, as a mat, like a therapist doing the couples, you know, treatment and, you know, therapy is like, you want them to give a commitment of change. Like, what are we doing this for? If you're going to continue to stay the same. But I also feel like with couples counseling, you need to establish early on if this, if they both feel that the relationship is worth fighting for. And I think that even Shantae says that early in the movie, it's like, you need to decide, is your man worth keeping? Because if you don't want him, then none of the rules apply. None of this matters, but you don't have to do any work. And I think that is the same with any, any time that you are trying to have any behavior modification, is this worth the change? So if you feel like, yes, it is, then you do the work. But if you don't feel like it's worth it, then you let it go. Um, so if they were committing to the 10-day program, then they should be just as committed to healthy behavior modification. But are we always that committed to the healthy? Hell no. The exactly. negative stuff is always more fun. It's always <laughs> more fun. <laughs> if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all. You can visit our website and follow the Support the Show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts and leave us a comment because we are counselors and we actually care about what you have to say. So until next time, y'all, peace. Okay, bye.